Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here at the Shane Oliver Experience, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land, the Turrbal and Yagara people. We pay respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Sovereignty was never ceded. Oh, hey guys. Hey, I'm back in the studio again. This is this is all weird. I can't remember how to do anything anymore. Welcome to another episode of the Shane Oliver Experience. I've got with me Josh Jensen. Jensen, am I saying that right? Jensen. Jensen, yep. yep. Oh, fuck, I'm sorry, man. Flange of Panties. And the Graceful Dead, I should say, as well. How you doing, man? I'm doing real good, man. Yeah, that's awesome. It's been, it's been some fun times. It has. Uh, for the last... Fucking how long now? I've, I'm losing track of time, eh? Hey? Yeah. Like, is it is it been a bit like that for you? Like, yeah. now that things have been so crazy and now I think everyone's just kind of gotten used to the crazy? Yeah, everything went from so busy, we didn't have time to scratch ourselves, to so much downtime, we could do nothing but scratch ourselves, <laughs> to it getting super busy again. Um, but now with all these restrictions in it, which isn't a bad thing, but it's um it's different. So yeah. it's almost like, you know, relearning how to do what we always did. Yeah. Within the new world. Yeah, it's it's a little frustrating as well that you also have to have these new changes, but also certain certain venues and stuff are still limited to the capacity of what you can have, and yet you've still got sporting events and and, and marches and all this other stuff can that can have so many more people. Oh, like, yeah. I just don't understand why there's such a lag behind that. If you want things back to normal, why is that? Why is that being one of the last ones coming through? Oh, probably because we are the delinquents. You know, <laughs> but no no one wants us around. This we- is their way of going. Oh, let's just keep them quiet for a while. You can have a few friends over. Like when you're a kid and, you know, mum and dad love you, have a few friends over. That's where we're at. Yeah, playtime's over. <laughs> Fucking Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just frustrating too because, like, that's one of, one of the easiest ways to help get back to simplicity in some way. And, yeah, and, and normalcy for people to earn a living too, especially in the creative scene. Yeah. And it's a lot harder for them. Oh, You yeah. know, it's... Oh. It's it's tough, and this makes it just so much harder. And you want you feel for those guys too, like yeah, these these big sporting stars and stuff. I know that that's the um, that's the profession they've chosen in life, and they do have all these other avenues of being able to go on Sunrise and plug different mm, brands and whatever. Yeah. And you know they have those abilities to keep themselves going without doing their normal thing. And mm. then once you know, life started to get a bit more normal and they were like, you can go back to what you're doing. They just, they look at stuff that we do as, oh, that's just a hobby. It, you guys don't need to do it. It's fine. But there are so many people who do need to do it. This is their, you know, livelihood. How do you think you got Elevator Music? 
You know? <laughs> That's exactly right. All those, you know, all those highfalutin CEOs going up and down those elevators, they like, just be bored be, out of their mind. They if might actually have us. to start a conversation with the with the with the little guy. Or yeah, something, you know, it, yeah, uh, it's it's frustrating, but it's also it, it it's you are still seeing them try and and push through and strive through these these weird times yeah. as well. But even like doing the live streaming shows, did you guys ever any do any of that? We did one. Um, we were we were pretty hesitant about doing those because um, if you can't deliver a decent show in in you know the size of a mobile phone, we we were under the sort of the thought of let's not do it. We'd rather have you just go and listen to our back catalogue and do that sort of thing rather than listening to a half-assed version of us. Mm-hmm. Once we were offered this show. Um, I wish I could remember what it was called. It was a Jones in the Fast Lane show. Um, they put on a lot of shows around Brizzy, and they were doing. They were huge with oh, Global Bandemic. That's oh, what it was called. okay, yeah. Um, I can remember so they, seeing something like that. Yeah, they teed up bands literally all around the world and had to time the different bands to start and finish when you know to make it all link up. Um, we got some friends in who are really good with cameras and sound and everything like that. Yeah, and we were able to get a really good mix. Um, we had a show in Jody and Paulie's shed, and that was sick. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so, but we were playing to, like, you know, 10 of our friends or something because that's all we were allowed at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was a weird vibe, but we at least got to deliver what we felt was the closest facsimile to what we can do for you, you know, in a live show. Yeah, yeah, like, we can't actually perform in front of you, so this is the next be- best thing for right now until that's, things yeah. get... That's Back it. to normal, yeah. It do, it do, it's definitely a, a strange dynamic too. Yeah, because like, it's the last thing that you would expect to see uh, from a from a band in particular. Like, especially if things are all if uh, all not crazy out there. Like, there's no lockdowns, there's no restrictions or anything. When are you ever going to see a band do a live stream show? Yeah, that's exactly. They're going right. to go play a live show. Yeah, like so you can go see it. That's yeah. that's their whole premise of it because the atmosphere is completely different yeah right and like and it's the same with like when you're listening to them on a cd uh rather like just in your room like you're hearing the quality and you're you're focusing on the sounds and everything that's coming from the cd like there's there's a lot of uh audio editing and mastery and all that sort of (laughs) shit that you're listening to right and then the next best thing that you do is play a live stream show and it's not to anyone. You're hearing that same thing in your room as well. And then yep. you're just like, ah, this doesn't really, uh, you know, I don't yeah. really want to see you guys live. You don't sound anywhere near as good. Yeah. You don't get to experience that live essence. Yeah. Of, especially like as an example, like a flan show, it's fucking, it's a party time. That's it. You know? So, and just that concept of just watching it, like you imagine like to yourself, oh, you're just going to have a little party in your own fucking room <laughs> while you're watching them play and shit. And like that, that it's a very sweet thing but of course it's not the same yeah like so much of our live show um you know we sort of get all hyped up before we play you get on stage you get this massive rush of of adrenaline and and fun and love from the crowd which boosts us that makes us play better that makes us want to i don't know go that bit crazier on stage it's Mm. really hard to do that when you're in a shed with a handful of your friends you're still you know feel comfortable and relaxed but you just don't get that same interaction so um one of the guys who was doing all the filming for us 
he was adding like <laughs> like animations and stuff <laughs> around our thing. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you know, we're going to make this as fun and silly as possible because, yeah. again, that's kind of like a an online version of what we can do live. It's yeah. just... Um, you know, it was it was making the best of a bad situation. That I think that's at the end of the day what you just have to like accept it as too, like because yeah. that's what it is. Like it, the, you can't play shows, and so everybody's online now. Yeah, you know? we weren't able to do this, you know, twenty years ago. Sort no, of thing. that's right. So at least it's at least it's something. You yeah. know, it was. I'm sure it was great for people who were wanting to see us play. They got to. Mm. Um, I know it was great for us personally because we got to play again mm -hmm. um you know uh rehearsal spaces had been shut down for so long so oh yeah we weren't even able to jam or anything mm -hmm. so at least you know if if you if we had the um the the good fortune of having like our own personal jam room mm. probably would have made that whole time less painful because we could have at least got together to have a jam for fun but would that, that have been considered essential services or whatever, like leaving your house to go somewhere, like at peak lockdown? Uh, I'm curious about that. Probably not. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I could have, if I had a, you know, maybe if I had my own studio, I could have charged them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's an essential service. Yeah, yeah. But again, like, if that's the case, that would have made it even more hard, like, even more difficult for anyone to yeah. even try, like, in the, in the music industry to even keep going. Oh, right? look, honestly... Um, you know, you probably know it yourself. Music is an essential service. Art mm. is an essential service for people's, you know, mental well-being. You need it. But we are, like I say, they look at us like it's just a fun hobby. They don't, they don't treat it with the same importance that they do the footy. It's it's dollar signs yeah. in their eyes at the end of the day, really. And what like the bigger bands will obviously be okay. Yeah, it's it's definitely, but where those bigger bands came from, it's the very minute few that come through that barrier and um, have that wealth behind them. And you know what I mean? Like, I like exactly, the, the, yeah. big, the bigger bands sort of thing. But yet even some of the big bands around now that we would have sellout shows and shit, no, they're still nowhere near like what they would have in terms of their wealth. Just like, I don't know, like just because they were doing it at the right time years ago and now there's such a flux of bands that are there's so many good bands out there yeah, you wish yeah. they could all make bucks you oh, know yeah. like you want them to but it's just they've already had the, those few that have gone through and then it's that's it right when they came through you know the landscape changed not not due to those bands or anything but it became a different world and people started to um you know, take in their arts and entertainment differently, which mm. then changed it for all the upcoming bands. Um, you know, as far as that sort of thing is concerned, I look at it that it's still been good for, for us. Um, you know, we have always been quite content playing, you know, small shows to like a close-knit group of friends um, yeah. or like finding bands that we just personally really love and playing a good quality, smaller show with them. But those really big shows that you do get are awesome when they come up, but they're just, they're a little bit harder to get. Um, mm. You know, there's a lot more, I don't want to say competition because bands aren't in, in competition with each other, but no, it is yeah. a little bit of that in a sense that um, you've got to do something that makes you stand out and gets you noticed. Oh, um, that, yeah, exactly right. You've got to be the one that makes the, 
the tour organiser or whoever it is that picks those bands, or even if it's the band themselves, mm. go, oh, fuck yeah, those guys would be sick to yep. play with. Like, they would be great to get the crowd going or whatever. That's Because that's of how energetic and how over the top they might be when they play. That's quite often... Because, I mean, that's that's an aesthetic I like. Well, an aesthetic I like is when there's usually, one, like, a character in, in the band sort of thing, like, that it not necessarily takes all the notion away from the rest of them. Yeah. But one that just makes you go, oh, fuck, I just can't wait to see these guys play to see what he does sort of thing. Yeah, like, yeah. Garlic Nun's the best example because I got to talk to those guys when they came up, uh, when they came up to play a show. And... Um, Old mate, um, Steve, uh, I call him Russell because that's just what he's... I've, I can't even remember what his real name is now. <laughs> it's funny. I just call him Russell. Um, like, he he just... He's such a chill dude yeah. to talk to, like, when he's not playing or whatever. He's a, lo- he's a loose unit, but, yeah. like, he's just so chill. And then when he gets up on stage, like, his balls are out. Like, it just <laughs> doesn't matter to him. Like, it's just this sort of character persona, uh, persona that comes over and then yeah. that that's sort of what gravitates you to that um the audience i yeah. guess like and it, it's fun to watch like I, i've played with bands over the years from when i was playing in you know crummy little garage bands or grunge bands or punk bands or whatever they were yeah there were always these bands that you would come across especially on the smaller scene that you know i i may not have been that into their music but when they would play and that one guy or girl or whoever would just be like you know the center sort of attention mm-hmm. it would make me like that band mm-hmm. and i may not still actually like their music but i love watching them perform yeah and and that's that's something that's really awesome yeah half the time i mean half of the punk bands early on that i watched and some i still i don't even remember their names i just remember watching them play live um was so good and i just never got i've never actually listened to their music i just remember who they were but they were like yeah we don't have shit online don't don't bother checking us out anyway like that was one of the funniest things i thought as well because it meant like oh shit i really like these guys so the only way i can go and see them or or go listen to them is actually by going watching them yeah yeah i thought that was really cool but it also after a while you just kind of get really fucking annoyed at that because it's like oh i gotta go out and see them live fuck it's up to socialize. <laughs> the, the worst bit about that is when those bands break up and you have nothing. You can't you, listen, you can't, yeah. The best you can do is try and find some shonky YouTube video that someone recorded yeah. on their phone. And it's oh, always I horrible. This song. It's such a bad version, but yeah. I love this song. Oh, there was so much better, man. Like, yeah. I swear, I swear, yeah. Um, Weirdly enough, on the complete flip side to like that super out there character, there's a band I remember seeing. Uh, upstairs, what was it called? The Star Room in the Jubilee Hotel. Okay. Um, they were called Heavy Roller, and they were just like a you know heavy rock band. They were they were good, um, but their drummer was the most uncharismatic dude you've ever seen. But he was the most amazing drummer I've ever seen. Yeah. And for the fact that he would just hold this beat and do these insane fills, but his face was just like deadpan. I could not stop watching him. I'm like, you're the least and most entertaining drummer I think I've ever seen. And I loved him for exactly that reason. It was oh. so good. Oh, <laughs> man. It, it, that, yeah, I, I remember um, uh, Sean, uh, no, not Sean, sorry, uh, Chris, he used to play bass for Make Them Suffer. Uh, he was telling me a story when he was over in Europe. And, uh, they were playing with a, a, a stacked lineup. I can't remember who all of the bands were, but there wasn't one of the ones I do remember was Beneath the Massacre. Uh, they're just this insanely like tech 
death metal, like brutal shit from Canada. And they're like, they're four piece as well. Like the, the vocalist is just this giant bodybuilding lifting motherfucker or whatever. <laughs> That's what he looks like anyway. I don't even know if he does, but he's just like thick as fuck and he's just got straight like low growls. That's yeah. all he does pretty much. And their guitarist is a shredder. Like he just does things that you just, yeah, it's insane. But he was telling me like, oh man, like I was looking off to, I was watching from the side of the stage and like you could just see him, like he, he's playing, he's like he's fully concentrating. He doesn't, he's not too serious, but then every now and then like he would look off to the stage or like if, uh, he would see me in the crowd or any of the guys in the bands. He would just like, he'd spot you and just stare at you while he's playing, <laughs> but like just start getting even more intense when he's doing it. And <laughs> if you start moving, he'll like follow you like with your eyes as well. Like he'd like, he'd like latches onto you and he would just follow you. Like, and meanwhile, like half the time he's like finger tapping and shit and like just doing like outrageous stuff on the guitar. That's and then just he just stares at you, doesn't blink, doesn't laugh or anything like that. And he'd just be like, I don't know what, never knew what to think of it. I asked him, and he's like, <laughs> he's like, why are you doing that, man? And he's just like, I, I thought it would make you laugh. <laughs> It's like what it does that scared the shit out of me, man. Yeah, yeah it, like just little things like that that you pick up from like just big bands or little bands. It doesn't matter. It's like that connection that you get from the from the audience too. Yeah, you latch onto it so easily. Oh yeah, yeah. It just it's a very feel good uh, moment, I guess. You know, you're just like oh my god, this, this guy's just paying attention to me yeah, in some way. Sure. And he's like pl- f- like just meant to be just focusing and whatnot. But anyway, um, outs because bef- you. You weren't the f- um, you weren't the original. You're not the original drummer of Flange, obviously. So, Bye, fun. <laughs> um, so I'll get to I'll get to the when you joined that in a second. But 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 before you did play with Flange, you were uh, where, when did you get started playing with bands? Like when was it? Well, better yet, when did you first start playing drums? When did that itch come along? So started playing drums around eleven or twelve years old. Okay. Um, not a super early start, not a super late start. Um, you know, I just got lessons through school and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the teacher had this thing. He's like, you aren't allowed to play the drum set. You have to prove that you can do these rudiments and stuff on the table. And he would make you play the drums just on the table. And it was like the most infuriating thing. Yeah, with, well, with like one of those little black mat things? Not even or? that. It was just on the table. So it was loud and clicky and just like... I don't know what he was trying to do, yeah. like instill some sort of, you know, early focus. But all it did was just like make students go, "This guy's a fucking idiot." And, <laughs> and he actually wasn't our drum teacher for very long. Oh, um, I can understand why. They ended up bringing someone in from one of the local music shops who was this weapon drummer, and he'd like sit you down at the kit and he'd be like, "All right, what do you want to play?" Yeah, and you'd say, "Oh, I really want to play this song." He's like, "Cool, we're going to learn that song." Yeah, and then you'd learn a song, and it was awesome i had a, another couple of lessons through some older dudes um who were in school with me they were in high school i was in oh, probably grade eight or something at the time yeah okay and that was awesome because i'm learning from these older high schools who i thought were so cool uh, so there was that little bit of adoration there for them yeah um you know and you felt like you were learning from someone really important not just a teacher it was just another student who was cooler than you yeah <laughs> yeah um, and then I sort of, I didn't get lessons full on for a long time. Once I started to have the basics down, all I wanted to do was play two songs and play along with music. So okay. I had a stereo that was at like ear height next to my drums. I'd crank on 
Grinspoon, Frenzel Rom, Pennywise a little bit, but that was really hard for me to keep up with at such yeah. an early age. But whatever I liked, I would just put the CD on and just play along with it. Yeah. And that's where I got my love of playing along to music. Okay. Um, from there, I jammed with friends here and there a little bit. I had a few early, early bands that never went anywhere, as most of them don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I joined a... It was a public big band. So, like, swing, jazz, rhythm and blues, that sort of yeah, thing. Okay. It was like a 25-piece orchestra. All kids um, from probably, like, nine years old up to about 16 or 17 around, which is sort of when I was in it. Yeah, okay. Um, made some really good friends. And once we outgrew that, we then went in to play bands together. Yeah. Punk covers bands and that sort of thing. And it was just one of those progressions. In in my early years, there was never anything that I was super, like, I'm into exactly this. I just wanted to play music with people. And if that took me from doing it with friends to, oh, this isn't going anywhere, I've met a few other people, I'd go to there. So it wasn't a non-committal thing. It's just I wanted to play music with everyone. Yeah, okay. Um, bounced around for a few years, had a... A grunge band that I was in for a while, um, you know, that did all right. That was good fun. And then after I left that band, I started, um, I, me and these three other dudes started uh, a band called The Way We Were. Yeah, okay. That was my first real step into semi-professionalism. like We yeah. started to get some really uh, respectable support slots. We were getting to play the zoo, crowbar, and all those venues that we went to watching bands like being, being a fan to being a fan that also plays there. Yeah, yeah it was it was huge for us um i think one of the biggest shows we played was we opened for teenage bottle rocket oh the from the u.s yeah yeah, yeah hell yeah um i'm trying to remember the i think it was the bottle rocket tour no it wasn't the bottle rocket tour it was we also opened for um no fun at all Oh, right That on. That show was insane, um, which I will get to in a minute, but I got, <laughs> to, got to play with No Fun At All. That day, I got to drive them around uh, down the Gold Coast because um, uh, Stewie from uh, Glenn Stewart from The Drunk Promoter, yeah, yeah, he's he, like, hey, we need someone to drive this band around. And I was like, I'll do it. I've got a van. I'll, I'll be down there. So I got to hang out with these dudes, and it was such a good time. Um, but also in that time... Um, you know, when band members weren't available, we'd have to get fill-in members. Yep. And Jody from Flange actually filled in on bass for us. <laughs> no shit. So that's... Uh, we'd sort of known each other through the scene a little bit. Yeah. Um, but that was when we really kind of become friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I filled in on drums for them a little bit and I kind of weaseled my way into Flange. <laughs> they, they, they've all... Well, they've told me, Josh and Jody have told me they didn't want me in the band in the early days. Not because of... Me personally, or, or my drumming ability, or anything like that, it was that they felt like I didn't uh, fit in with them because I'm married and I have kids in <laughs> the house. And they were like, We're gonna ruin you. <laughs> I'm like, Don't worry, guys, I'm an adult, I can handle myself. Yeah. Um, and and it, it's been great. Like, it, they were, if anything, they were trying to look out for me. Yeah, right. You know, it wasn't anything against me, it was. It's you shouldn't a, hang out with it's, us. It's a pretty fun, but yeah, it, it lifestyle, but it also sucks you in. Yeah, you know, yeah, you I know, get, I get what they mean. For that, that reason, yeah. they are the best people, and I love them. Um, but yeah, that uh, no fun at all show. It was my last show with the way we were. Yeah, okay. And then 
I played back-to-back sets of The Way We Were and then Flange. So that was like one of the funnest shows ever because I got to play my last show with The Way We Were, who I was a founding member of, and me and the guys are still mates and, and it's it's awesome. Yeah. And then I went off stage and Flange set up their stuff. I had my drums obviously already there. I had my old band obviously standing in front watching. John, um, Flange's drummer who I replaced, he was in the crowd standing there watching. So I'm like being, you know, not not necessarily judged, but I could feel everyone's eyes on me. Yeah. And then the drummer from No Fun At All decides to walk around and sit next to me on the stage. He's just like, have a good show. And I'm like, oh, you are kidding me. Like, <laughs> fucking pressure. I've got this, like, huge, Everyone's amazing drummer. My old band, the uh, my new band's drummer. It was, like, the uh, worst amount of pressure. But it was probably, like, one of the funnest shows. Yeah. It was it was insane. That's usually what will happen, too, is, like, it, it, it's either going to be that you, you get psyched out or... You fucking nail it, yeah. and you just like I'm the champ. Yeah, like, no one can touch me right now. I felt amazing playing back to back sets. Like gives you this real like, you know, this real feeling of just like, did you all see me? I just played mm. two insane sets back to back. How fucking good! Yeah. It it really gives you a, a huge ego boost. Yeah, for um, sure. Like, cause drumming's yeah. no easy feat. You know, like I wish I had the coordination to do it. So I just stuck with the guitar or <laughs> potentially screaming or singing into a mic. That's a lot more, uh, it's something that I can handle. <laughs> I just, it's like I love, and don't get me wrong, I love drumming. Like I, I think the the skills involved and the coordination you need for it is just insane. And especially when you get to the more extreme side of drumming as well, like just 250 beats per minute shit that I've seen done yeah. before, like fucking, what's his name? Uh, George Colias of Nile and stuff like mm. that. Just just insane, like as if that's fucking real. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> but oh my God, it is. It's that, and, and even to the, the softer side, but even just like jazz drumming and, and, and blues drumming and shit. It's, There's some amazing, you know, like you say, jazz mm. and blues drummers I've seen that they're playing insanely fast but insanely quiet. Mm. And I'm like, I, I can I can get those dynamics a bit, but I'm like, how do they do it? Like yeah. to play that precise and that fast, but hitting so gently, and they like make the drums absolutely sing. And I just sit behind it and bash them as fast and as hard as I'm I can. I'm going to say <laughs> as well, like that's usually what 90% of drummers will do, like yeah. is get on there and beat the shit out of the skin and, yeah, you yeah. know, like feel good about it. And the other 10% of the ones that can just make it seem like it's impossible what they're doing too. Yeah. It's like such a, it's such a 180 turn, but yet still you're thinking at the end of the day, how the fuck can they do that? Mm. It's just, it's mind boggling yeah. half the uh, time. One thing I definitely have learned since being in Flange, um, you know, most people know that Flange is all fairly fast stuff. Mm-hmm. I definitely had to work my way up to those, being able to play that fast and keep that consistent tempo. So what used to be me just like, you know, going buck wild on the kit, hitting as hard, as fast as I could, I had to learn, you can't do that for a full half hour set or a 40 minute set because mm-hmm. by probably not even halfway through, you're going to be a sloppy pile of shit and no one's going to have a good time. Yeah. <laughs> so I've learned how to use, you know, dynamics and stuff and be able to play fast but quiet or loud but fast or whatever it is, but, you know, controlled. Yeah. Um, but then sometimes you just get those shows where you get that, you know, burst of energy from 
the crowd, the universe, wh- whatever it is, um, and you just can play hard and fast and perfect the entire set and you walk off stage going, let's do that again. I'm so full of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, those don't come as often. <laughs> but when they do, like that's that's when that sort of you know magic of playing live music hits. It's, yeah. It's, it's pretty special, yeah. So the No Fun At All show was... That back-to-back one that you did, did you say that was one of your favourite sets of all time? Because I was also going to ask, like, the follow-up to that, like, what what do you think personally? And it's not a dig to any of the bands that you played in. Like, what do you think the worst show set was that you played? <sighs> worst show? See, that can be a tricky one because I've, I've had shows where I've... Uh, okay, actually, a perfect example. Um, Flange played... Uh, a few shows in Sydney, mm-hmm. or would that be 2019 now? Yeah, of course it is. Um, <laughs> with this with this band called Skinpin. Um, oh yeah, no Skinpin. Oh, they awesome. are insane. Yeah, their drummer Anna is the best drummer I've probably ever met in person and seen play live. She is just she is brutally fast and amazingly technical mm-hmm. and just perfect. Like. But it doesn't look like she's just a metronome. Like it, you can see the, the love and the excitement, and the passion that she has in her drumming. But she's still just that on point. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, the first night we played with them, I decided to down like one of those. Uh, was it like a one point two five liter little fat lambs? Oh god! Stupidly alcoholic, and I just got shit faced. Yeah, not the worst set I've ever played. Weirdly enough, like I, I wasn't great, but I definitely know I've played worse. But then when we got off stage and then they played, I had this like feeling of you fucked up because they are amazing and you made yourself look like shit. So I really took that to heart that I'm like, you know what? I, I shouldn't be ever, not that I ever thought, oh, we're just playing with a little band or a local band. I'm not going to try that hard. But mm. I had never thought about, you know, I should be trying to not not impress my peers, but at least, you know, have that mutual respect of I'm going to play the best I can because we've come to Sydney to play with you. Yeah, I should be putting yeah. on the best show I can. Um, they're friends, so we were having a good time and it was fun and I definitely let that sort of side of things kind of get in the way of actually trying my best to put on a good show. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was more... I don't think it was the worst I'd played, but it was just the feeling afterwards that I, I kind of feel like I've let myself down, the band down and them down because they should have gotten the best I could deliver. Um, the next night, I think I had one or two beers beforehand, so I was just on point. Yeah. And, and I've taken that to heart, actually, that I never do that anymore because I don't want to feel that way again because it feels super unprofessional. Um, Flange, as much as we are a crazy party band and everyone knows what our lyrics are like and everyone knows our onstage antics, we still want to deliver the best show we can because mm-hmm. you've paid good money to see us. We want you to get your money's worth. You know, it's it's just being a good person more than anything. Yeah, okay. You know? Yeah. So um, as far as bad shows are concerned, that mm. one does stick really, you know, pretty solid in my mind. Um, but then I've just had bad shows. Yeah. You know, playing to yeah. seven people on a Wednesday night <laughs> at the New Globe Theatre. You know, <sighs> when you're a new band and, and they give you a spot, you take it and yeah. it's so exciting. But, you know, at that stage, we were still all grown adults and all our friends are like uh nope we're working tomorrow we're not coming out to see you at 11 o'clock on a wednesday uh, that was one of the things i love the most about the new globe is that they just like 
No one comes to see a fucking show on a Wednesday night. No. No one does. But that that sort of feeling of um, we're starting to get our foot in the door for any new band, yeah. those venues were fantastic. As With all the flaws that they had, the fact that they gave a young band a shot and made you go, you know what, that was fun. We paid to five people, but we played our best to those five people. Mm-hmm. Let's go back, write some new songs, do that again. And then you start to meet other bands and they ask you to play Crowbar with them or something. Yeah. And you're like, cool, we're going to play Crowbar. You're then only playing to another seven people, but you're playing at a venue on a Friday night or a Thursday night yeah. where a few more people do come out. And it's it just gives you that boost and that confidence that you need to, you know, keep putting one foot in front of the other and, and working your way through it. Yeah, that's ex- like... And again, like, that's one of the things why... It, why I miss uh, the New Globe so much is just, yeah, like uh, they would throw an offer out to anyone any night really basically if you've got a set or a bunch of bands that want to fucking come and play a show, yeah. you can come and play a show. Yeah. You know, and it, but that was the option, right? Yeah. It's <laughs> so, I mean, pandemic-wise aside, like all that bullshit, like e- even before that was beginning to take hold i mean we were around we, we were starting to lose a few venues yeah. as well like it, i guess it's a cycle where one pops up and it goes away and whatnot but there were some that that were going that have been there a while yeah you know? like uh new globe went um i mean the orient was having shows at one point too like and that stopped um uh crowbar's gone um they're struggling again in sydney now They've just started a crowdfunding project um, because COVID's hit them really, really hard. Yeah, no kidding. And a whole heap of, like, amazing people have put up different things to bid on um, so they can try and raise money to to keep things going. Yeah. Uh, Well, lucky for them, I'm pretty sure they uh, are reopening or things will be essentially, like, nightclubs and stuff will be able to go back to normal again Mm. on Monday down in New South Wales, I think. So, I mean, that's a good good help yeah, for them yeah. too but also the fact that a place like Crowbar that you know was originally started here and then started to branch out to a new place um, a fairly decent size name yep. like business behind themselves sort of thing you know if they're, if they're struggling yeah. you, know, you can imagine what everyone else is doing right Yeah, it, and that's just that's another thing too is that because of this capped capacity as well you're not able to have as many people come through for those ticket prices right Mm. and so that leaves you with the thought oh shit do i have to raise the ticket prices up because we're not selling as many to get people through and then knowing what brisbane brisbane fans (laughs) are like like they'll usually leave it to the last minute or they'll see a pretty fairly priced ticket and just go oh fuck that yeah you know which is a bit annoying and it's not saying not all brisbane musers um it's it's just just one of those things you notice as well like if you would if if melbourne was having something like that where going like there'd be people going yeah yeah and they would be making sure that like i got a couple of friends that were down there and uh, and when when things started to open up pub wise where you could have like acoustic people playing and stuff again like people were just coming on every night essentially just to come and check out like some live music and catch up with their friends yeah once things started opening up like it was just a huge influx of just like 
hundreds of people coming to coming every night, yeah. sort of thing. Uh, like, being being stuck in your house, you know, for that long, like we didn't experience that here in nah, Brisbane, like they did. Near. But they must have been like going absolutely stir crazy. Mm. Um, I'd actually, it was, I don't know if it was lucky, but right before COVID really hit, uh, I fell off a ladder and I broke my elbow. Fuck. Yeah. Um, Flange was just. We were talking about it. We weren't. We weren't probably on the cusp of buying tickets, but we were considering like um, an Indonesian tour because oh, right. so many uh, punk bands can do really well over there because oh, yeah. they love punk music. I think they they do seem to have this real love for Australian punk music as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so then me falling off this ladder and breaking my elbow, we all went okay. Let's let's put a hold on that. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a few shows booked that it looked like I was still going to be able to play, so we kept them going. Uh, the last of which was Lagwagon when they uh, came to Australia. Yeah. They didn't even get to finish their tour because the pandemic hit in the middle of that and they had to cut maybe two or three shows from the end of their tour just so they could get home. Otherwise, really? they were stuck here. Really? Okay. Yeah. I didn't even realise that was... I can't... Yeah, I didn't even know that was going on at the time. Yeah, it was... <sighs> that was that was just as it really... like. I didn't know enough about it, but playing that show and then afterwards walking around and, you know, it was the Trifford, uh, it was at full capacity, even still not having all that knowledge, I was just like, I feel like we shouldn't all be here right <laughs> now. Like, wh- why, is, yeah. why is this still happening? Oh, well, I guess it's fine. Yeah. And then, like, the next week or week after that, it was like, COVID's going to kill everyone, lock it down and get everyone out. It was like, oh, fuck. Like, yeah. that's bad. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, it's just, it, it hit us. When when did it actually hit us? March think it or was something? March, yeah. It hit, like, because it hit us. We started getting it, and it was around the same time, I think, maybe the States got maybe one or two cases as well. And then I think uh, Trumpy was all like, it'll go away. It's like the flu or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And then the next day it was like 12 and then 100. And then and then, it just then it's fucking, just whatever fucking psycho number it is And then it spread like a, what are they called? Fucking pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's, I mean, yeah, like we've gone through two fucking uh, once in a lifetime scenarios in within our generation. Yeah. And a lot of us now, I guess, are just kind of like, what's fucking next, man? Yeah. Like, Christ, it's, you know, uh, it's like when you're just having a shit day and you're just like, oh, seriously, if, if you're just going <laughs> to fucking throw a fridge at me or whatever, <laughs> yeah. just get it over with, yeah. right? Like, hurry up. I, I mean, that's how, that's where I feel like I'm at at the moment. Oh. Like, I'm, I don't know. Like, I, I think I'm in just like a really weird headspace, like where I don't know where I fit in. I don't know where I fit in at I've the had moment. had this conversation with a few people recently mm. and that's where everyone seems to be yeah. we're getting this slight feeling of um, normality again mm. but it's not normal there's yeah. something askew about it and it, it's i think it's that um thing in the back of your mind of of dread of like okay no nah, things feel a bit good something's gonna go wrong something's gonna <laughs> fuck yeah up. yeah and it, it's hard to it's hard to get past that yeah um and i don't blame anyone for feeling that way mm. you know it's it's um i think everyone being locked down made people um start to start to really deal with themselves for a while and mm. i think that that wasn't a, wasn't a good thing wasn't a bad thing for everyone but like you know so many people have had a really hard time because they can't have their normal outlet of 
going to see bands or going to play music with their friends or, you know, just going out to to the park to go for a walk and go to the shops because, you know, sometimes it's nice to go to the shopping centre just to wander around and be in the air conditioning. They've, they've finally uh, had enough chill time to uh, sit with their thoughts and mm. they don't like it. <laughs> they that, mu- that's why they go out and do all this shit yeah. instead of, like, uh, sitting with their thoughts and actually wondering why they think certain things and feel certain ways. Uh, they mask it by fucking going out and oh, just, you know... And, I, and I can relate to that. Yeah, I, I think everybody's done it at some point or they still do it. Like, I still do the same shit as well when I'm feeling in the blue when I should be actually uh, doing something about it. Mm. Like, I'll just try and distract myself rather than sitting with it and just going, all right, why are you feeling like this? Yeah. What's going on? Let's let's it's, have a talk with yourself. Like, it's it's um, it's really weird, like... My daughter, she's eight years old, mm-hmm. um, and she's very emotional, and and she's like, not not like an emotional drama queen or anything like that. She is so empathetic towards people and things. Like if there's something slightly sad on the TV, we'll look over at her sometimes, and she'll be crying on the couch because she just feels so bad about what she's watching. So it's it's an amazing thing, mm. and I'll sit there and talk with her and why are you feeling this way? Like, what what is it about that thing that made you sad? Is there something else that maybe helped trigger this? And we try and talk through it yeah. because I want my kids to grow up, you know, emotionally stable as best they can. Yeah. And yet when I'm having a similar reaction to something, I just go, oh, fuck, oh, that, that's not good. And I ignore it. I will... I'll go and do something just to ignore it. I won't sit there with myself and go, whoa, what was that about? I'll just go, nah, fuck this. Yeah. And I need to probably not. I'm like, if it's good for her, it's probably good for me too, you know? Quite often, a lot of the things that I think we try and teach our kids is stuff that we kind of struggle with or, you know, like not as a coping way to do it, but I just think that... Uh, in in my view, anyway, uh, from my experience, is that I I needed to, when I was younger, I wish I was better at talking about my feelings and stuff mm. like that and why I was upset and because it was what I would what you would do and like what most boys would do and shit as well is they'd be yeah. like, nah, fuck these feelings are fucking shit. Yeah, like, we we grew up know. as you know boys have to be tough and yeah. you know, don't you don't cry. It's a girly thing to do, and I'm, I I hate that and and I don't blame. My parents for that because mm. fact is that's the era they come it's up. It's a through. generational thing too. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's it, everyone is a product of their environment, whether good or bad. Mm. Um, and it's just a matter of looking. You know, I look at things with my kids. Um, I'm gonna have to say my son's name's Everett, my daughter's name's Willow, because if I don't and they hear this, they'll go, "Oh, you didn't say our name." <laughs> uh, but I go, what do I think I would have? taken from this when I was this age what would have helped me at this stage yeah and and I go I'm gonna do that because that's how I feel like that would have helped me mm-hmm. so I feel like it makes me a better parent it makes me um, hopefully my kids are gonna grow up to be more communicative that that I wasn't mm. um, not that I felt like I couldn't talk to my parents but I just wasn't comfortable talking to anyone so I wouldn't mm. there's I think there's there's still certain things. That you kind of, like, if I was to talk about uh, certain thoughts or, or certain things that have happened to me or what I've, 
what's uh, what I've done or anything like that. In the same way, I'd be telling my mates or whatever about it. I think my parents would be a bit like, "What the fuck," mm. you know? And and it's not it's not a dig at them or anything again as well it's just like i i I think it's just more of a generational thing where it's like i've grown up around all the like all all, half of my friends and whatnot like um and i find it easy to be able to talk to certain things about them that necessarily wouldn't have been easy to talk to with my parents because Mm. you'd feel like they would be judging you in a way it's like they'd almost feel like whatever it is that i'm feeling they must feel worse because they raised me so yeah. they'd feel like you're uh, what have i done wrong and it's yep. just like no you shouldn't feel like that that you've done anything wrong obviously no. and that's what make i guess um it's, i'm not saying that's what my parents were like or anything but um uh, i would have those thoughts more so that would stop me from wanting to tell them yeah, and, and feeling yeah. like they would be upset getting and in your own head before yeah, you broach those things yeah i'd be psyching myself like, out you do you psych yourself out i mm. I've done it so many times, like even with my wife, like, mm. you know, nothing that nothing I can think of off the top of my head, but just certain things that you'll want to talk about and then you'll just get to a point where you're like, nah, this isn't going to go well, so fuck it, I'm not, I'm not going to. Yeah. You know? I, I don't think that it would be a, a very exciting, well, not exciting because it wouldn't be, but it would be a pretty rough conversation uh, if I was to tell them past things that I've not so much done to myself, but like, you know, the suicidal thoughts and all that sort mm. of stuff. And like, even it, and let's, let's be real. I, I, I have, I've, I've attempted it before years ago when I was in a really bad headspace and whatnot. But if I was to try and talk to them about it, I've got a shrink, right? So mm. I, I've told the shrink everything. And yep. that's, that's why you should have a shrink too, is they, they can help you broach through these things. Yeah, and I, you can I, understand. I actually do have one now, have mm. done for probably the last, Oh, probably a year, mm-hmm. year and a bit. Um, it was. I'm trying to, oh, I've got this really bad thing in my brain that I have the worst track of like time. Mm-hmm. If something could have been a week ago, and I'll be like, "Oh, it was about a month ago," and people will go, "No, that was like last week." I just have the worst yeah. track record of time. But um, uh, it's a, it's come. I think it's about two years. Yeah, uh, okay. lost my dad, mm-hmm. and that. That set me off in a, a lot of bad things. It was about that time that I started seeing a therapist, and she's amazing. Um, it's, it's harder to get to her these days because I've got a new job, and just my schedule's a bit off. But mm-hmm. it is, yeah, someone like that, really unbiased to talk to. You you feel comfortable just laying out everything on the table. Um, before I got to the point where I had to actually see the therapist, telling like my wife and my mum this is how I'm feeling. Fuck me. That mm. was the worst conversation I can, I think I've ever had. Yeah. It's, it's not easy. Mm. It's, it's not easy when you have to tell you know, you, your parents anything that could have potentially uh, hurt you or hurt someone else or, you know, it, it's, I don't know. You kind of feel like you bear some responsibility, even though it's like not really yeah. necessarily your fault that huge, you're feeling this way. Yeah, a huge part of my, um, I sort of refer it to as my cycle is if I do something that I feel could adversely affect someone in my life, whether it's a, a friend or a family member or whatever, um, I take that really personally, mm-hmm. and that's when I get in my own head and I start to bat, like beat myself down, and yeah, you know, I get into those real bad dark times you know it's um 
I'm trying my best to talk about it a bit more openly with people as well because mm. I do find, weirdly enough, like when Crowbar Black was still around, there'd be nights where we'd play a show and be hanging out upstairs, drinking and chatting, and somehow the conversation will go to something really serious. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting there chatting with someone I've met two hours earlier, spilling my guts to them. Mm-hmm. And you walk away feeling really, really good almost. And it's like, this is just some random person. <laughs> yeah. And it sort of it, it sort of makes talking to those non-random people a little bit easier. Yeah. Um, you know, but I also don't like to trivialize it by just talking to anyone and everyone about it. Like No, no. Because like, I, I feel like it's it is something really important that people need to talk about, but treat it with the, the importance that it, it needs. Yeah, of course. Like, uh, I mean, I've got my face stuck on an image sort of thing, like, as well as, you know, flange sort of, uh, and all that, right? Um, so, and, and like, I did the whole podcasting thing. So, like, me talking about it, like, I want people to have that conversation with me because I openly have the conversation. Uh, just, if, if you wanted to talk about it uh, outside of this, I'd happily talk about it. You mm. know what I mean? Like, it, it's just something... It, that I've ingrained in myself because for a long time I've always I, I'd always struggled with that but since you know talking to a, a therapist and seeing one for so long as well and then working on my own stuff in between that it, you just I don't know you kind of come out of your shell a little bit and just feel like it's normal like yeah. the more you talk about it so if that's what it feels like to me it feels almost normal to talk about that because it is a everyday feeling and um, uh, that I deal with, you know, yeah. uh, I, I, I'm, I'm okay with talking about it because I want other people to be okay talking about yeah. it. So yeah, that's, true. that, that's how I approach it these days. I'm not saying it's anything yeah. against uh, you or anything like that because everybody's different. That's, mm. that's, that's just where I'm at right now is that I've been seeing mine for about, this is be my sixth year. Yeah. Right. So, uh, and like it was, that was about when I got diagnosed with depression and anxiety and stuff too, where I was finding out mm, so much more about what was making me tick and why I would fall into these slumps and, uh, where the thoughts were coming from and just being able to work through it and having these mental uh, awareness exercises that you can focus on, like five things you can see, four things you can smell, just things to help distract yourself yeah. just to begin with. Um, it, it just, it really took on with me. Yeah. And like if I haven't seen him for a while, which now I haven't seen him for about a month and a half, but that's just because it's COVID times yep. and it's everyone's, yeah. <laughs> everyone's getting behind it, which is really good thing for me. Like, so I'm not, I'm not too upset that I have to wait a little bit longer in between to see, see mine because yeah. as I get told, Oh, we're flat out. I'm like, that's, that's that, good. that feels good. <laughs> that feels, that makes me feel good. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's just, you know, that's where I want it to be is I just want it to be a part of an the conversation because yeah. you, you, you imagine like uh, how much uh, easier it would be if we were able to, uh, there would be less situations where you'd be thinking that you're at the end of your rope and you might do something mm. that you're going to in the end regret, you yeah, know, yeah. like you, you might... L- might seriously hurt yourself or you might die yeah. you might actually get come go through with it you know and i'm not saying that it's a horrible thing you shouldn't do it to other people because i know that i've, I've been there myself mm. so it's it's more of a understanding of where they come from and being able to talk your way down from it yeah it's, it's hard 
It's well, fucking hard. Well, one thing, so I've told this to uh, a few people, mm-hmm. um, but I had this conversation with one of my friends who deals with a lot of um, mental health issues as well. And this, this, I think when I told her this, she said that actually makes things a little bit easier for her mm-hmm. because A, it's realising that other people are dealing with the same thing and B, it's um, probably, I don't know, when it's a bit more... I don't want to say it's a bit more common, but it, it makes it a bit easier to digest. Um, but I was diagnosed with um, anxiety and depression, and they called me or classified me as suicidal without intent. Mm. So everything that I was thinking and feeling and doing, they said, yes, you're having all of the same thoughts and feelings that a suicidal person is, but I could never bring myself to get to that point where I would ever attempt it. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it wouldn't have happened. Um, but I feel like telling, saying that out loud and telling people is... Because most people who know me, I'm a fairly happy, outgoing sort of person. Like, I, I love to see my friends when we play shows or even just go out to shows. Yeah, It's like the best feeling when... Like, just a couple of weeks ago, I went to King Lear's uh, to watch my mates band The Black Catapult. Um, uh, yeah. Who, yeah. Ryan was the bass player in The Way We Were. He's now the bass player for them. Oh, fuck. Yeah. And cool. when I walked in the door and he saw me and his face lit up and we had this big hug and it was just like that feeling. I love that feeling. It just makes me feel so good and so happy. Mm-hmm. And I have been really good at masking, you know, when I'm feeling really, really shit because mm. I can just not put on a fake face, but I can, I can kind of grit my teeth and bear through it. And then I might have a few beers and I am feeling really yeah. good. But again, it's just covering up what's really going on. Um, so I feel like saying that out loud and telling people that you, if this is how you perceive me, but this is what's really going on, if you're feeling that way, you should tell people because yeah. it's, it's, I don't want it to, I don't want people to think that I'm ever being false or anything about being happy to see them. Yeah, it's of just, course. Yeah. You know, it's one of, it's one of those things that, mm. um, yeah, that sort of realization was huge for me. Mm. Um, and having someone else tell me that, yeah, you'll probably never go through with it. Weirdly enough, I hate being told. If someone, <laughs> if someone says to me, dude, watch this show. You're going to love it. My brain says, never watch that show. Yeah. <laughs> it's so dumb. It's this like built the in. The polar opposite. Yeah, like, this fuck built you, in I will do it. Don't yeah. tell me what I like. But having someone tell me that, it really get, took this bit of weight off my shoulders. And then seeing my therapist, she just, I feel really comfortable with her straight away. Mm. And um that's yeah. such a big thing too as well is that you've got to be comfortable telling this person yeah. what you're going through because if they because there's not there's not all not all therapists are good out there if you want to change your therapist change your therapist yes. right I was told that don't don't expect to go into your first therapy session and start to feel better because firstly you need to know that this person's right for you because there are people that you just don't click with whether mm. it's just on a personal level or there's something about the fucking clothes they wear that you're just like, mm. I don't like this person. Yeah. If you're not comfortable, don't pursue it because it's dumb. You need to get to that point where you can just openly talk about it. So and That's that's how I was originally with with who I see now, my, my therapist, uh, Scott. Um, I, the first session in, it's this middle-aged fella uh, who just is this biggest fucking dorky looking dude that you've ever seen you know he's fucking if he ever listens to this i hope he does uh, he's never told me because it, there's a whole 
confidentiality thing. Yeah. You, you would know the whole dealio because I've always t- tried tried to convince him to come on to this so I yeah. could have a proper fucking psyche like chat and shit and yeah. go through stuff. But he's like, he looked at me deadpan and was like, you know, I can't do that. Yeah. I'm like, fuck, man, it would be <laughs> so good though. But I mean, that's how I feel about the guy now. But when I first walked in there, I just thought, this guy's a fucking dweeb and he's not going to know anything of what I'm going through. I bet he's fucking barely... And and this is just like being incredibly judgmental at the time too. And I'm also in a really shit headspace, so I didn't give a fuck. So I'm just thinking, this is not going to work or whatever. And then got on to talking about music, obviously, to get to know. And then told him that like one of the one of the first uh one of the first gigs that I went to like within a year like within the first year of going to see gigs I should say I got to see Slayer at River Stage with Megadeth and like the minute I said Slayer he's like oh fuck yeah I love Slayer <laughs> I was like boo shit you like Slayer and then he was like no 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 like fucking um started listing off uh, names off seasons in the abyss and like fucking bloodlines and like uh all all these like uh, songs and names and shit from Slayer, and I'm like, okay, yeah, nice. you know, this is this is quite interesting. What else do you listen to? What else have you liked? And we started just talking about all these different thrash bands from like the 80s and 90s and shit that like were so influential to like, especially like when you were a kid at the time. When you start, like for me, it was around 15, 16 when I really started getting into all different kinds of music. But it was about 13 when I. Uh, really st- started getting into it more and I started listening to System of a Down and then it went yep. from them to Slipknot to Devil Driver to fucking Slayer and then Cannibal Corpse and then it was everyone I wanted mm-hmm. to listen to everything and everyone um, Cannibal is still my favourite death metal band of all time like, yeah. they're one of my favourite bands of all time I've seen them once before and I don't know what it is, but, like, you know how we were talking before about, like, stage presence and shit? Yeah. These guys don't fucking need one, eh? Their <laughs> stage presence is them just being up there with their hair and their face and shit. It's just like that... I, I don't know how to explain it, but just, like, they're all up there and they, they're not doing anything other than just headbanging, but they have a presence. Yeah, yeah. Like, that is their presence doing that shit. And you just, like, almost, like, at the time, I was just, like, all, all fucking awestruck. I'm, yeah. in the, I'm in the middle of the mosh pit and just seeing Corpse Grinder up on the stage and I was just, like, holy shit, his neck is so fucking oh, yeah. big. I've seen the memes. <laughs> It's yeah. <laughs> just from his ears yeah. to his shoulders. And it's even funnier in real life, eh? Yeah. Like, you just see him do this shit, and you're like, oh, my God, his neck is moving faster than, like, <laughs> anything else. Like, it's got its own set of muscles. Like, it's just funny. Uh, but, like, that in itself was just the, their presence. Mm. And, like, I just, that was it for me. I'm like, uh, that. You guys do what you got to do. Yeah. Just fucking slug it out. And then, yeah, like, telling him... Going back to the story before, we were, yeah, we were talking about all the thrash stuff we'd listened to and then I just remember saying to him, like, oh, man, I've got to be honest with you. Like, I was pretty close to, like, pulling out of this and just, like, asking to see if I can go to a different string. And he's like, why is that? He's like, man, I, I just didn't get a vibe. It wasn't until you started talking about this shit that we just clicked. And, like, yeah. um, and he's obviously clued on that an easy way for, uh, of relatability once I get into the swing of things of talking and shit, it's like I don't even realise half the time when I'm dropping F-bombs and stuff like that. Just, yeah. just, And it's not that I swear over the top or anything. It's just like sometimes... It's Casual just, swearing just exists. Yeah, and but like I, he started... I, I noticed he started picking up doing the same thing when we would talk and I'm like either you're doing this like... Uh, 
like consciously to like not so much fuck with me yeah you're yeah. a psychologist right <laughs> they're always fucking with you um or either that i'm kind of like the conversation the way that the conversation goes is that i just kind of bring that out in yeah. people sometimes too so i'm kind of like thinking in my own head at the same time like is he fucking with me or is am, am i just rubbing off on him too yeah yeah because he just started uh chatting back and like dropping f-bombs himself and just just his his way of speaking to me uh, over time kind of changed but yet the message was still pretty clear on what he was saying like I can chat to him like we're having a beer sort of thing but yeah. then he'll just be like uh, he'll just go like okay but that was wrong and this is why yeah like, he would just kind of delve into it and be like you need to rethink this or you yeah. need to uh, I I definitely went into my like first couple of sessions with my therapist um, with a, a preconception of a TV therapist, you know, mm-hmm. sitting on a couch. And, and how does and that like, make you feel? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I walked into a very clinical room, but that's just purely because that's the way this um, particular doctor surgery is set up. Mm-hmm. Just a standard, you know, chair, nothing flash. And she isn't the type who um, pulls me up on things. She'll just, you know, it's more the way she reacts to what I'm telling her. You know, she might ask me a couple of questions, but she never, she never gives me advice or mm. or tells me how to deal with things. The way she will then ask me a question makes my brain start to process it itself. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's her style or if that's she just knows that that works for me. Mm-hmm. I know I've told her that you know the whole thing about if it's someone tells me you should watch this or you should listen to this, I'll be like fuck you, I'm not going to listen to that. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if she's picked up on that and just lets me work it out myself. She definitely gives me the tools I need mm. to do it myself. Um, but yeah, whatever it is about her, she makes me feel so comfortable. And um, yeah, she just she, yeah, just anyone who makes talking easy yeah. is great. And you know, when I talk to my wife. I feel like she's judging me, but not in like a bad way. She's judging me because she cares for me and loves me and is trying to help. Sometimes you don't need help. You need an empathetic ear. And and that's what I kind of feel like my therapist is at times. Yeah, Um, yeah. You know, not everything needs to be solved. Some things just need to be listened to and get that, yep, that must be hard to go through. Sometimes Mm. that's all it is. And and quite often, it's not all the time, but there'll be just like a little one or two minute disclaimer in between from the therapist, whoever it is, and be like, okay, so this is probably why you're feeling that way. And then Mm. yada, 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 continue. Continue on with you. So you're not kind of confusing yourself or uh, trying to throw too many sort of, why am I feeling like this all in the one block? Because that can also be quite hard to work out what's going on too. Mm. When there's so much information coming out, you've got to try and process it all too. Yeah, Uh, It's, yeah, there's so much that goes into it. Sometimes I think, I think of uh, Sykes as like, they're, they're politely fucking with your head, (laughs) you know, but not in a, not in a bad way, but just in a way that actually genuinely makes you kind of like, think about yourself they're a uh, a brain mechanic mm, who's yeah. just trying to get the best out of your brain yeah yeah <laughs> uh, I, I i think maybe i have more of that mentality with my medication that i have uh because i'd gone through two or three before i'd actually got onto the one that i'm on now mm. and uh, that's what i felt like 
for me then, like the way you explained uh, a brain mechanic, I was like a pill mechanic in the way that like when you, you put your car in for a service or whatever and you think it's just one thing, but then there's just a whole load of other things that yeah. come on after and you're like, oh, but yeah, but there's this as well. Sometimes that happens with side effects and shit that you get from your, your meds and uh, you might talk to someone else who's on the same sort of medication and they're like, oh, no, it works a treat with me. Yeah. You know, oh, it's the best fucking thing since sliced bread, yeah. you know? like, And you're just like, you're kidding yourself. That fucked me up. Like, I I, I was ten times worse on that shit. Yeah. And, like, everybody's brain is wired differently. It's just, like, this circuit board that got thrown together at the last minute and the manufacturing line never got fixed yeah. you know so everybody else's brain came out the same way jumbled up all different so for some people it works for some people it doesn't and i think that's a big thing too as to why you you get people talk about oh i couldn't stay on my meds or whatever they they were fucking me up or i like but did you try anything else yeah. oh no i didn't yeah like, i just thought that one and done it's like but that's the thing man like it's some everyone's different every every one of these fucking uh, pills that they try and make are different too. They try and rewire you in a certain way or block something that makes you feel a certain way. But it might not be the same sort of wiring pattern that's in somebody else's head. Yeah. So it's it's just, there's so much to it, uh, so much to your, your thoughts and, and what goes into it every day. Uh, of course there's going to be fuck-ups along yeah. the way. Like, of course there's going to be... Uh, things that you can't quite fully comprehend, but it just takes a little bit of patience too. Yeah, like yeah. that was the biggest thing for me. Like I said, like I went through uh, before I got onto uh, Venla, it was uh, sertraline and then metazapine. Like it's sertraline gave me really bad RLS. Yeah, don't know why. I'd never said it was a side effect on the packet, but somehow I just woke up one night. But it wasn't even just the fidgety stuff too like my my joints started aching oh. as well at some points too it like flashed in between like that and it got to a point like <laughs> the only way that sertraline helped me like benefited me was when i was if i would smoke weed with it oh, yeah. <laughs> like it would help my head yeah but to take the pain away in my legs i'd smoke weed before i go to bed um and that's, that's not really ideal for a long term thing that's one of those thing. things that I'm sure um, I haven't got to the point where I've even been offered medication. Mm. Um, again, that that could be me masking how bad things are sometimes. Mm. So it doesn't sort of get Sometimes you up. don't need it though. You just need yeah. to be able to talk. That's the um, thing. But um, when you're having a side effect like that of, of a medication that's supposed to be helping you mm. and then these bad things are happening, that's just got to pile it on it's like fuck this oh. is supposed to help and i feel fucking worse yeah That's, yeah if anything that would make you feel 10 times worse yeah because the you know the thing that's supposed to help you is is just rubbing salt in the wound yeah that's gotta fucking suck yeah and and that's essentially why like why i started smoking was mm. because that was what was helping with the pain and then once the 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 pain and the side effects started wearing off i was getting the benefits of what was happening and i could feel the way i was thinking and my emotions changing in a way that certain things that were said or done or whatever weren't affecting me the same way mm. and i could fully like without breaking down or or just 
going into a spiral. I, I could process what was happening in a really quick time. And I thought, holy shit. Now, it's not ideal, but if I kept this up, I might actually be able to do something here. <laughs> but then, like, I thought, no, it's not really going to be good in the long run if you fucking need to smoke this shit in order yeah. to, you know, think clearly. It's not necessarily making you think clearly. Um, it's just... In another way, it's kind of like masking up a, a side effect that yeah, essentially yeah. should be telling you get onto different meds. Yeah. Um, which I eventually went, all right, fuck it. Uh, I, I should probably do that. And that's when I changed over to metazapine. And then I was like, this makes me feel like a fucking zombie. Uh, I just felt like I lost all emotion. Mm. It, it, was, it was really weird. Like, I just stopped feeling stuff and I'm like this is not good and then I was going through a rough patch at the time as well and this is the thing too that you again like you're saying like you just if more things pile up and you're already feeling like shit it's just fucking have fun mate yeah you know and that was pretty much where I got to uh with uh as I was saying earlier uh my rough point um uh, I I just went fuck it cold turkey and thought so I couldn't be fucked doing this anymore. Like it, it's making me 10 times worse and I can't do that. And then, yeah, I just went on an even bigger fucking spiral because yeah. I was on those medication already. And then you never fucking go cold Turkey with that shit. Yeah. Cause never. then your body just goes, what the fuck? It, it's, going it's, on? it's insane. It's insane. So uh, now like as an example with the metazapine that I'm on now, if I, if I don't have, uh, not metazapine, sorry. Um, I'm on venlafaxine. Uh, if I've, don't if I miss one uh, if I miss a day I don't necessarily notice too much difference but if I wake up if I haven't taken one the very start of the next morning at about probably I think it's about 10 or 11 see I've worked this out of my head because <laughs> I've been on them for a little while now and I just guess I kind of know the cycle too yeah. of how my brain's working right um, I'll start to get like dizzy and I'll feel like every I feel like I'm a half second behind my body it, it's a really wild concept, right? Like, yeah. so say you, like, as an example, like, say I'll, I'd, I'd move my head to the left and I would just kind of feel like my head's just half a second behind. And, like, I would feel spacey and then my head started getting, I'd start to, like, get really emotional at times too. Like, yeah. little things that wouldn't bug me would just kind of make me go, fuck, man, oh, <laughs> this is bullshit. And I'd be like, oh, shit, I haven't taken my med today. Fuck, that's why I'm feeling this way. It's a pretty wild, like... That's... That is pretty huge in itself that, and, and it's a really awesome thing that you know that so well that you can start to see, oh shit, something's not right. Like, mm. And the fact that you know it down to like roughly the, the time yeah. of when that's going to happen. Yeah. Like if anything, like that's, that's like a... That's like an athlete having a finely tuned body and knowing, oh, I was I was two seconds off my my personal best and I know what it was. It's like you've got that shit yeah. worked out. I look, there's still parts, a lot of parts that I am working on, but in in terms of uh, how I guess my body reacts to not taking certain things or just when I'm lacking in something, like I guess I can pick up on that pretty quickly. Um, and plus, um, maybe it is the fact that I grew up playing a lot of sport that I have that mentality <laughs> aspect behind it too. Because usually if I'm kind of focused on something or really, in, I wouldn't say enjoying it because I do not enjoy having to take uh, a pill every morning for that mm. sort of shit. But just more so the fact that um, like I, it sounds so stupid and I don't recommend anyone else doing it. But like it's uh, I, I experimented 
like with my medication like i've worked out or not so much to a t but just how long i could go without taking one and seeing how my head would feel in terms of how the thoughts would feel and like letting myself in the spiral mm. um and then have one like the how long i can go without actually taking one um to like finding out when it starts to affect me uh when i start feeling back to normal like uh, just it's not so much that i took it down in a in a journal or anything i just remember doing it in my in like your notebook and your phone i just remember yeah. going like okay so about it takes about you know 24 48 hours uh for the side effects to kick in it just depends uh and and then i'd work it back from the 24 48 to all right we can work it out to say 24 to 36 because you know if i haven't taken it from this time and then it's eight o'clock the next morning when i normally take it um that's 24 hours right so from then on i work out okay this is from 24 hour onwards this is what i work out to see how long it actually takes there that's brain chemistry and it's it's hyper focusing on weird shit too like i do that that's that gives you a bit of a it gives you an edge on your um you know mental issues Mm. because i have always looked at my i say always like it's been my whole life it's been the last like two three years really that i've Mm. had the issues but um you know you i I look at my issues like it's almost a person Mm. Um, whenever i start to get in my really bad times it's like i've got someone it's not a face or anyone i can recognize it's just like a figure of a person you know talking me down and telling me all this shit yeah um you've got that edge over that that you you know you know the you know when the bad things are coming whereas for me it'll be like one little thing will set me off and then before i know it like i've got people talking to me and i'm just kind of staring off going "Uh uh-huh like reacting Mm. listening but just going fuck i'm Mm. it's such a bad way right now but is this the thing though is it a is it like from a build-up of stuff though or is it a one-time thing where you react to it because if it's a one-time thing and it upsets you that that's pretty normal right like if it's often it'll be one thing will set the wheels in motion mm-hmm. and then other things which have probably been building up I've maybe not noticed I'll then start to think back and go oh I did that I oh, fucked that up oh. cuz it's it's always just judging myself telling myself what a fucking dropkick I am sort of thing yeah yeah and it's it just starts to I I have this laundry list of things that I didn't even know were there and mm. before I know it like it was one time I even mentioned it to my therapist and there was nothing she could do about it to change anything I said, oh, I went into my shed and my, my little lawn locker shed leaks when it rains and stupidly I'd left my toolbox open and it filled up with water and ruined a heap of my tools. And that was something that I really harshly judged myself on. I'm like, I left a toolbox open and I took that to heart. That, that's one of those little things that in the moment I probably didn't notice it, but once something set me off on this whole path... I was like, you're a fucking idiot. Why didn't you close that tool? I judged myself. Mm. I can now look back on that and go, wow, that was a wild overreaction. Yeah, yeah. But at the time, that came up later on. Once something had set me off, that came up as a like, this is this is the list of things you fucked up this time. Mm. Mm. And, and you don't even think about your actions too until once you actually start 
talking about it, not necessarily to someone, but even mm. to yourself when you have those moments where you sit down like, oh, okay, so why was I actually pissed off at myself yeah. yesterday? And you go, it can't have just been the fact that I left the left the toolbox open or whatever. What was, what else was happening that yeah. day? Like what, what originally set me off? And then you can work out. And then you yeah. can – it's not, necess- not necessarily diagnosing – uh, but it's just like, okay, so I've pointed out what exactly set me off that day. You yeah. know, and it's well, when I said that out loud to her, the sort of look on her face made me realize, oh, that's dumb. <laughs> like, I had this little Always instant does. clarity of, oh, that has nothing to do with anything. That was that was a stupid thing that anyone can do and that's nothing to be upset about. It, but It's usually always the case, eh? Yeah. Like that it's just something fucking minute and dumb and you're just like, oh... You get really annoyed at yourself <laughs> that you got pissed off at it in the first place, but you're yeah. also kind of like relieved that you know why you were pissed off too. Yeah. And it's like, you know, the, again, it's it's there's a lot of work going into it. And once you start actually doing it, I guess some people are just kind of like, don't stop working on yourself, mm. you know, like, because if you do, you fall down those fucking holes, yeah. you know. So like the, the more productive and, and busy you keep yourself, it's mm. it's it's a good way to not necessarily keep those demons at bay, but like it keeps you in a in a happier mindset. So that way, you'll be more comfortable in wanting yeah. to talk about those feelings or even just ass- assessing them. I did work out that there's a bit of a difference between when I am just trying to distract myself from mm. feeling bad about something and going, oh well, if I can turn those feelings off, mm. and actually trying to actively do something to to better myself mm. for whatever the reason is. It is still a distraction, but it's a positive distraction that I'm actually trying to take something bad and flip it into something good. Mm. It's, a, it's a distraction, I know, but it's a, yeah, it's a positive one. Yeah, it's not, it's not one that you know to yourself, like, oh, I'm just doing it for the sake of doing it, yeah. right? Like, this will actually make me feel better mm. while I do it as well. Like, it's not one of those unhealthy distractions. That's yeah. probably the better word for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, how how much influence did just the knowing, being so influenced by music, how much influence did that have um, during shit times? Like, how much would you rely on music to get through yeah. certain times? Like, yeah, um, I've said this. I don't know if I've actually said it to anyone in Flange, but if it wasn't for Flange, I don't know what the outcome would have been. Mm. But having that band, so I I'd known about the band since they just after they started, like what's it like twelve years now or something. I think it is. Yeah, I remember seeing them at the Jubilee Hotel. I'm pretty sure it was even just when Josh had joined the band. Like, he came in about six months later or something like mm-hmm. that. But it was, you know, early days. And I remember seeing them and going, wow, these guys are awesome. Like, they're playing the type of music I love. I would I would love to be in not only a band like them, I would love to be in that band. But at mm-hmm. the time, I was nowhere near a good enough drummer to be able to play that type of music. But that was something that was always, always in the back of my mind I love Flangerpanis. Once I started to play in bands going decent, I'm like, oh, we should play with Flangerpanis. We should open for them. Like, and <laughs> even, even just get in tight with them as friends. That that yep. was like something I wanted. To then all of the, you know, sort of things to fall into place that Jody filled in on bass for my band and then we become tight and I started to fill in for them. Mm-hmm. Getting to join that band has been a huge thing for me. That's that. It was one of those 
I didn't realize how big a deal it was until I was in the band. I'm like, you've joined the band that you always wanted to be in. Mm-hmm. Like that's insanely like huge for me. Um, so the fact that I had that band made made the bad times not so bad. Yeah, because yeah, I'd yeah. go. This is something I love doing. This is something I feel proud when whenever we. You know, when we first started playing and I just had to learn their back catalogue, it was awesome because I was getting to play all these songs that I already loved and listened to on a regular basis. You're just, like, talking to yourself while, like, you got the plugs in, whatever, you're like, yeah, I know this song. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And to then start writing music with them. Yeah. So my first writing experience with them was um, Community Backwash, the 7-inch we did that we recorded with Jay. Um, so again, that was another one of those little, oh my God, I'm recording with Jay Wally from Friends All. That was, that was so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of went into that going, I need to do drums that are flange drums. I need to drum to what people expect of this band. Yeah. So that's what I did. And in the newest album that we've just finished and we're going through all the mixing and everything at the moment, I, I've been in the band long enough that I'm like, I'm going to do what I think this music needs. It's still punk as like it's it's this it's what everyone knows flange as mm-hmm. but i've put my own spin on how i think songs should go so i feel really really proud of that and i still sit back and look and go yeah you're in that band that you mm. always wanted to be in it's so hugely important to me um and yeah basically i can't actually thank them enough for for allowing me to join the band yeah it's it's so so and now i you know, I listen to all the bands I love and the music I love and it does. There are certain songs that just resonate with me, make me feel like when I'm having a really bad time, ah, oh, life's not so bad. Yeah. You know? Um, sometimes listening to songs about people talking about how bad their life is makes me feel better because it's it's a bit of that symbiosis of these people that I love and respect are going through the same shit I am. Yeah, it's that relatability. Yeah. You know, because you feel, you, you feel like you can't talk to anyone about it, but yet if you listen to something that feels like what you're going through, you're like, oh, God, they get me. Yeah. It's like, well, they'd fucking get you if you talk. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, the, I mean, because I did the same thing too. Like, usually one of the go-tos for me when I was, like, just – when I was in really shit moods and sad moods and stuff, I'd listen to this like post hardcore band from, I think they were from the UK. They were called the Elijah. Yeah. Um, mentally heavy themes, like just full on shit. Like, but not saying that it's bad or anything. It's just like what they would write about was pretty like heavy stuff. And if yeah. you're in a bad, like sad, bad mood, probably not a good idea to listen to them, mm. but musically they're amazing. They're such a good band. Uh, just, I I don't know why they were my go-to sad band, yeah. but like they were. Mine are against me. Oh, um, yeah. specifically the album White Crosses. Mm-hmm. There are just songs on there. So I, I'm not sure where Laura Jane Grace was in her transition at that time, but you listen to those songs and you listen to the lyrics she's writing, and it's it's so raw and open and like it's it's basically the musical equivalent of, you know, word for word telling you what's going on, but mm-hmm. it's just put to, like, some cool, you know, punk music. Obviously, I can't relate on that level of what she's singing about, but I get the same feeling of emotion that she's going through some heavy shit. I can relate to the feeling of mm-hmm. going through heavy shit. 
Um, and that album, yeah, I just I can I can really sink in with it. And it might be that it's sitting there making me feel a little bit sad and a little bit down, but I come out of it going, yeah, I'm mm. I'm fine. Yeah, yeah, you've you've made through this hurdle. Yeah, and it's it's all thanks to you, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and again, fucking one of the benefits of fucking music, right? Like, yeah. and just the that creative outlet is that you can express yourself through these themes and there's people out there that relate to it and not just like i like thank you i I feel you but also like they're stoked to be able to listen to you and listen to music that they like to begin with and like uh, they they just enjoy it that's what you want like Mm. as as an artist anyway is like i don't know and art is subjective uh for most i'd say that it would be that love of playing in front of a crowd you know and and just getting lost in that others like to focus more on the musical aspect of it and don't really care too much for shows it's just it's a preference right but either way you've got people that listen to you and can't wait to see what you do next you know whether or not it's sad or, or joyful or whatever there's always a fan base that'll be there for it, mm. you know. And well, Flange does have a really, really um, dedicated fan base. Absolutely, do. I yeah. I was part of it, and really still am. Like mm. I love the music that we do. I love that it makes people feel so. I don't know. They they can relate to things that we write about. Jody mm. writes in a very relatable way, mm. which is you know, which is really really good. So when I get people coming up to me at shows telling me how much they love the band and, and how much they appreciate what I'm doing, I don't take it so much of a, of a oh, you know, thank you, you're welcome sort of thing. I more go to them, I'm like, I know how fucking good are the band. Like, yeah. I'm still, I still to this day am a fan that's in the band that I love the most. Yeah. So it's it's really weird for me to, um, to have people giving me those compliments because I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm just the same as you thinking the same thing. Yeah. It sounds right. a bit egotistical because I'm talking about the music that I'm playing and <laughs> yeah. writing, but I'm, I'm just looking at it from a fan's point well, of view. Well, that's it. You, you, like you just said, you're a fan playing in a band that you were a huge fan of. Like, yeah. So it's going to rub off in one way like or another. So I, I don't think that's really a bad thing. Mm. Like I think that's a, that's a positive thing. Like you, You're stoked on on what you're doing and you're getting to play with the band that you were really, well, it depends on it's, it's your point of view, obviously like uh, it was incredibly influential for you during that time. Yeah. And now you're sitting behind the kit and you're just like, ha fuck. I, I kind of dreamed about this shit in a way, you know, like not in the same way that people like, I want to go to the moon or whatever, but like, you know, how fucking cool would it be to like drum or play guitar in your favorite band or whatever. And you're getting a chance to do it. Like, fuck yeah. I get that same feeling from, uh, like playing some of the biggest stages that we've got to play, you know, with huge bands as I do when I'm sitting behind the kit at King Lear's. You know, I don't care if I'm playing to 30 people or 3,000 people. It's still that feeling of, yeah, I'm in this band. I've earned my way into this band. It's, eh, yeah. it's a great feeling. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Like, oh, I mean, I'll, if I ever get to that point in my life, I'll be fucking stoked uh, of being in a band. Uh, but for the meantime, I will talk to the people involved in that shit. So people can, so <laughs> you can enjoy that instead, fuckers. Um so what's what's on the horizon for this year? Uh, new album, 
Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's being mixed and stuff as we speak. Uh, I think these are all rough dates and stuff, but I think we're thinking of an August release um, because mm. it's one of those things. It's hard to tour an album when you can't tour. Um, <laughs> yeah. What a wild concept, yeah. right? We've got we've got a little mini, a very mini tour coming up in June. We're going down uh, to Newcastle, Wollongong, and then Woi Woi. Um, the fuck is that? It's a bit north of Sydney. Okay. I'm not exactly sure where, but it's... Is, did, did you just pick that place because it's called Woi Woi? It's a great name. Yeah, we, right. we've been We've been asked to come down and play Woi Woi. Hey, go to Woi Woi. Yeah, that's going to fucking turn into a thing. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry, yeah. So, you know, we we got asked to come down to Melbourne a while ago and the weekend that we were asked to come down was the weekend that they had their second lockdown. Oh, so right, So we yeah. had said no to it because we are like, oh, everything feels a little dicey at this stage. We said yes to this tour because we can just jump in the van and drive down there and if shit turns bad, you know, the week before, the day before, we can just go, okay, cool, we're not going. We're not out-of-pocket airfares. We're not, you know, having to deal with all of that sort of logistical nightmare. Mm-hmm. We can just go, oh, no, it's not going to work. We'll have to postpone it. Um, that's uh, Again, that's kind of our um, putting our toe back in the water, just testing it out and yeah. seeing if that works, then cool. Let's look at maybe doing another few shows. But we're, we're all very, very conscious of what's going on in the world, what's going on in our country, and not being dicks about it. We don't want to be that band that brought COVID back from <laughs> Melbourne or something stupid like that. You yeah, know? It's, yeah. There, there's a huge amount of personal responsibility on us, on anyone that travels at this point in time. And we obviously know what the music scene has gone through. We don't want to add to that. No. So we're being no. as smart about it as we can. Um, but also, like, fuck, we don't want to get sick. Like no, no. Being I, sick I, sucks. It, I man, I think it was about two, two or three weeks ago. Uh, I I just came down with like a type of virus or whatever. Um, had to the COVID fucking swipe or whatever. Oh, but I remember that's not fun. Oh, it's it's twice I've gotten it done now, but. The second time really sucked because I was crook, right? Yeah. And they've shoved something up your nose and you've got a blocked runny nose sort of thing. And, yeah, it's it's a... F- oh, God, it sucked. Mm. Like, if you actually are crook when you get those things, like, it's <laughs> not fun. Like, I couldn't I couldn't stop, like, sneezing afterwards and, like, rubbing my nose because it just felt like they went right to the back of my head. Yeah. Well, nowhere near it, right? But it but that, feels like yeah. it's touching your brain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, the first time I was, like, just there... And I was just like, first one, it was okay. But I think there must be something up with my, this nostril in particular. <laughs> but like, yeah, it's, it's gone. It's, it's one side was fine. And then the other side, I was kind of like, ah, oh, this, what's going on? Like, this sucks. But like, didn't upset me at all. Mm. And then the second time around when I actually was crook, I was like getting this first one done. And I'm like, oh, uh, this isn't so bad. And then this one, like, she just kind of like got a little bit further back. And then I immediately like went to, kind of grab it and, <laughs> and like try to stop myself and I was like oh wait no and I'm like oh no no uh. like it's the worst feeling and yeah like I'd been out of commission for I think it knocked me on my ass hey eh? like for about four I was off work for four days and yeah like the COVID test one and like I got the results back the next day and then they were like you should call your doctor about the next I'm like what now like it's just weird how they worded it and I'm like fucking what called them and I'm like okay this was really worded 
strangely and I'm like, what's wrong? And she's like, oh, you just, you have, you are crook. Like, <laughs> you, you're not well. Like, so what do I need? You need some antibiotics. That's yeah. why it was saying that you had a virus so we can get you prescribed, yada, yada. Yeah. I was like, well, why can't they just say that yeah. next time? For fuck's sake. Start it with COVID negative. Yeah, yeah. And then go from there. Well, they did start that with negative, oh, but God. then they followed by, you have something else. Oh, you know, yeah. like some other, like what other virus? Yeah. Like, fuck. And yeah, like you just need antibiotics. But I, yeah, it, it it still kind of knocked me on my ass though, because like even like a few days after I finished the script up and I was starting to feel a bit better and whatnot, like my ear, like that was a weird thing too. I hadn't had an ear infection um, since I was a kid, yeah. like, and then I had one, and like, oh, it's the swab fe- she stuck up your nose probably pushed shit up into you. Oh, who <laughs> who knows though, right? Like probably, but like. It, you know how you feel like that popping sound in your ears every now and then when your ears are adjusting altitude? Yep. That's what it was like for me for those oh. like, yeah, it was the worst. I was cranky. Like yeah. just just that on its own. Like it didn't hurt or anything, but it was just constant. And every constant now and, discomfort. Yeah. And then every now and then I would get this like sharp like pain, like just like right in the corner there. And I'd be like, oh, yeah. like I could, I could deal with that more than this constant popping sound that that was just oh yeah so that having that knocked me on my ass to, oh and that's the thing too like when you actually are crook and you go out and be the responsible one and wear a mask everybody yep. looks at you again oh for sure you know now that you can take masks off and shit like it's no one you know you don't really see anyone wearing them anymore but the yeah. minute that you do and no one else does they're all looking at you and well, i'm like fuck what i'm just doing the sensible thing yeah. I was at the shops the other day and saw someone wearing a mask. I'm just like, why do you have a fucking mask? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And all my thought is, is just like, well, they must be crook because that's how you stop other people from getting crook. Yeah. And like, that's exactly right. Yeah. I didn't want to get anybody else crook. So yeah. like, I fucking uh, high five for doing that. Yeah. Like, and it's just weird. Like it, you just get funny looks and like, yes, I know I'm crook. This mm. is why I'm wearing this. I don't want to get you sick. So yes, yeah. stay over there and stop looking at me. <laughs> you know, and, but you know, th- th- that's just a little fucking stupid thing that you worry about. Like you think about as well, like monotonous yeah. shit. That's not necessary, but Oh man, I just realized we've already gone for an hour and a half. Holy, Holy shit. shit. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> it it goes so uh, there were so many more things I wanted to talk about, but I'm also getting wrecked and I don't want it this I don't want this podcast turning into shit either. That's all right. <laughs> you know? Um but that's all right. Maybe we can fucking get you on another time and have another yarn about some more shit. Um and also we didn't have a break in the middle too to play the song, so I was just thinking I'd play him at the end. So that still good. still play uh way we were and still play a flange song so yeah, we'll, we'll do that too um but yeah no um i really appreciate you coming on man i uh, i think just with everything that's been happening with covid and stuff and and getting back to society normal levels of society i guess as well like it's it's good to actually get like i'm trying to make an effort now mm. of going out and actually catching up with people yeah you know, I, like, i've been doing that as well it's nice to go out and play a show but mm. it's also really nice just to go out and see a show yeah yeah and, and i think i got so used to not socializing but like the one form of socializing that i would do or whatever would be through this so yeah. i would still kind of get my fix of like feeling like i've been out for the week or whatever oh, dude, you're having getting a quality catch-ups with people in this yeah i know exactly right and and it's it, it's it's great to do and just 
I guess it's I guess it's not so much a coping thing for me or anything like that, but also like I know it helps mm. too because I'll get home and I'll just be like, oh man, had a good chat about f- sometimes fuck all, but yeah. like it doesn't matter. Like I just got to have a chat with someone and just considering that I guess before the whole not being able to see too many people whenever, wherever, um, you take it for granted, mm, you know, and yeah, like I, sure. I really appreciated it once I came back to doing it again and being like, thank you for coming out. Like I really appreciate it. Yeah. Like, um, have a cookie. Fucking I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get you anything you want. Thank you. Uh, like it's just nice. Like it's a general nice feeling yeah. Like to be able to do it. So yeah, like I can't wait to see what, the new flange record sounds like as well and now that you've talked about your own little style i want to try and pick up on that shit too and see what you mean by it which will be cool um you're also still playing with the graceful dead but since grace has gone back to melbourne because that's where she's from obviously um that's not so much stopped it's just on hold for when she decides to just on um distance Related hiatus. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, that that'll that could potentially pick up in the future as well. So yeah. I mean, you've got you got as well as being a, a parent, which I uh, can relate with as well. Like you got a lot of shit on, and the fact that mm. you're able to still um, play play bands and play in, in, in two essentially, but just being able to play and, and work a job and, and have a family. Like, I know you got a fucking shit ton on. Yeah. Like, it, it's 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 tough work out there and not it's tough work for everybody too. It is, not, yeah. not not just Not just family people. Like It's um it's really rewarding work. Like, mm. I, I love... Playing music means so much to me. It also means so much to the people who love the music that I get to play. Mm. So I get a lot from that. Um, I have a job that I love. Like my kids are fuck everything for me. Um, you know, it's, it's, I've got enough, I've got so much going on in my life, but it's, I just make sure I balance it all right. Cause I don't want to, you know, do too much with one and fuck it up in another. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, totally, totally get that because it's so easy when you, when you've already got a shit ton of things on, it's so easy to get burnt out. Yeah. If you do, if it's one or two days where you don't do like keep the routine up or whatever, you don't get enough sleep, this or that. And then you keep the same regular routine going. Like you're already like kind of a half step behind because mm. you haven't gotten enough sleep or whatever it is that's happened. And like, if you're not careful with that, you just keep with the trend then you'll just wipe yourself out yeah, by the end of the yeah. week. I know this, I explain it this way because I've done it. <laughs> yeah. Like I, it's way too many times. I, 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 that's that's probably my biggest enemy right now. Like, yeah. is is sleep is trying to stay on a routine of going to sleep, and yeah, that's it's a challenge right now. You just, I fall asleep on the couch more nights during the mm. week than I should because I'll just be up watching telly or something, and rather than going, oh, I'm a bit tired, I'll go to bed. I'll just fall asleep on the couch, get some shitty sleep for an hour, and go, oh, yeah. I feel like a zombie. I'm going to go to bed yeah. now. And you're already like, oh, fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, the worst, right? But anyway, um, muchly appreciated. So your next your next show lined up was about June, you said uh, it was? No, or? that's, that's uh, our next sort of... We've got a mini tour. But oh, our the next tour, show, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Our next show is actually this Saturday night at the Bright Side uh, playing with Ramshackle Army. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I'm, I don't think this will come out 
uh, until like th- uh, this one won't come out until next week. I'm pretty sure. So so our show last week with the Ramshackle <laughs> Army was sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I try when I can. I try to time up like uh, episodes with when yeah. shows are. But I've already got one more episode to come out. Yeah. Uh, so that one's coming out this week, and then yours was going to be yeah. next week. So nah, I'm spewing about that. We now. we have had some shows. Oh, I lose track of them like until like the week before and then I'm like oh yeah, yeah that show oh shit that's coming um, up <laughs> oh actually april ugh, 17th yeah the blowhard show oh at, yeah at the uh, tivoli tivoli yeah last ever blowhard show mm-hmm. um fred band i'm pretty sure shandy shandy yeah uh yeah blowhard obviously uh flange yep uh I say Fred Band did say yeah. that one. Yeah, there, there uh, was a lineup change from when it was supposed to happen last year. Yeah, uh, to this year, but it's gonna be an insane show. Yeah, I don't know what the ticket count is, but if there's tickets available, people should get it because it's gonna mm. be an amazing show. Like, it's gonna be a hugely emotional show. Mm. Blowhard's uh, last ever show. I I like, can't imagine it um not selling out. Oh, uh, yeah. and considering it's what like last week of March right now and it's coming into April uh, and being Brisbane I'd say yeah. uh, get your tickets within the next week or two yeah, yeah. especially if you want to do it otherwise yeah it'll be unless unless um, capacities open up a little bit more I don't know what the scope is on any of that yeah. shit I'm trying to avoid a lot of that now because as we've all found out this week politicians are fucking assholes oh, I mean, yeah. but if you've already if you've known about this longer we're saying, I told you so, whereas the main public are just like, oh, my God. It's like, <laughs> this, fuck off. Like, they're all scum. Anyway, that's another podcast. Because, yep. um, <laughs> yeah, fucking hell, that's a rabbit hole. Um, but they're all pieces of shit. Last, okay, last little bit of fucking two cents, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, thanks again, Josh, for coming on, man. I really can't wait to see what you guys do next. Um, thanks, and, yeah, I can't wait to, see, to hear the new Flange release, too. So I'm excited um, for people to hear it. Yeah, hell yeah, man. So we'll, um, we'll get these... Get these tunes uh, cranking, and we will see you next time, eh? Cheers, thank you. No worries.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.